Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without telling the rest of the band, Brad had it sent off to him. One morning I woke up and I got a text message and it was like, here's some verses from Beck. I'm like, what, what, what? 97X icons from the 97X archives. We got in a band to really make a difference in the world. Committed to 30 Seconds to Mars in a very, very deep way. One-on-one with the biggest names in alternative music. Episode six, Matt Schultz of Cage the Elephant. Tito's Handmade Vodka is distilled from corn and certified gluten-free. In the mid-90s, Tito Beverage built his very own micro-distillery in Austin, Texas and put his life savings into it. He continues to produce award-winning, smooth American vodka on the same land where it all started over 20 years later. Tito's has won the unanimous judges' choice double gold medal at the World Spirits Competition, among many other awards. Visit us at titosvodka.com for recipes, videos, and more of Tito's story. 80-proof Tito's handmade vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, crafted to be savored responsibly. Hey, it's Sam, and welcome to another episode of 97X Icons. Now, our icon today is Matt Schultz of Cage the Elephant. And I actually got to do the interview you're about to hear. It was here at the radio station in our performance theater. And the reason they were in town, this was 2019, last year, was they were performing the NHL kickoff concert to the Stanley Cup playoffs in Curtis Hickson Park in downtown Tampa, which the Lightning were in. So we were really excited. Now, Cage the Elephant at this point had been part of 97X history for the past 13 years. They'd released four studio albums by now. They were about a week away from releasing their fifth album, Social Cues. They've done multiple green rooms. They've played three 97X Next Big Things. And 97X is the all-time number one spinner of Cage the Elephant in the country. So yeah, Matt didn't mind coming by and answering a few of our questions. He gets into all kinds of stuff like collaborating with Beck, but since their new album, Social Cues, is about to come out, he talks a lot about writing that and really opens up emotionally. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's funny. Right before we started, I was talking with somebody about you. You guys have been a part of our station for a long time, and it was Next Big Thing nine where i believe you stage dove with modest yahoo and oh, it didn't wow, end that was a well. while ago yeah <laughs> yeah so we're happy to have you back and it's an exciting time for us with the tampa Bay lightning and you're kicking off tonight at curtis Sixton park yeah good to be here thank you guys for being here as well and um on the heels of ready to let go congratulations the song is amazing and i think you're in your fourth or fifth week at number one yeah, fifth, but who's counting? Who's counting? Who's <laughs> counting? Not my job. <laughs> um, now, I know that Ready to Let Go, the whole album, Social Cues, which is out next Friday, um, is a very special one for you and came from a very emotional place. Can you just tell us a little bit about the album and um, that journey for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think every record we make is really personal uh, and emotional. I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 
You know, I've been asked a couple times in this process if it was a, a difficult record to make, and not necessarily a difficult record to make, but a record that was made during a, a particularly turbulent time in life. And sometimes those seasons just happen, and um, we uh, we just happen to capture it on record. And so um, with each record, you glean something from, from the, the process and from the experience and try to incorporate it into the next one. And we're always just trying to find a um, uh, a more honest place or a deeper uh, level of transparency um, while maintaining some protection. <laughs> but whatever, I mean, I, I think the idea is that you continue to make um, make works that uh, haven't have a positive impact on people. So. Well, it's one of those songs I remember when it first came out and I heard it and, and I read about it. Everybody can kind of relate to that place, and I think that's what's really special about it. Um, when you found out it went number one, which is a place that you're pretty used to, which your <laughs> eighth number one in the last decade, how does that, what's that moment like? Is it more special because the song has so much meaning? Um, <clears throat> no, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it, it becomes more special, not because of this, what the song's about, but just the feat itself, I think, is um, it's a it's a pretty strange one to be number one or at like in something in the arts. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best drawler in the world. <laughs> oh wow, thank you. <laughs> My pencil drawings are the best. <laughs> really, it's, it's the secrets in the nose. I worked on the nose. <laughs> um, the freckles look so real. No, I'm sure. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I could go on and on. No, I, I think that you just like, um, you realize um, uh, how unlikely it is to get to that place um, the more it happens. And so, um, you know, it, it, it becomes more and more of an honor, at least for myself. I'm just like, oh, wow, crazy. We're, you know, 12, 13 years in and um people are still responding and, and still care. That's amazing. Thank you guys for that, by the way. Um, I know it's a, it's a big ask when you create something and you're, you're like, this was part of me. Will you let it live in your heart? <laughs> um, no, it's trash. <laughs> I think this is the worst heart you've ever had. Get it out of my face. <laughs> um, so, oh, okay. I'll go back and work on my heart. <laughs> I, I, you were right. I went down a bad path. <laughs> I went down a bad path. Um, so, <laughs> you just <laughs> never know. No. Um, so, anyways, um, but yeah, uh, with the with the subject matter, I mean. Um, we are, we're always trying to write something that we believe in, hoping that it's something that will continue to perform for years and years to come, and um, something that you're comfortable with really with reliving. And believe it or not, the more personal and the closer that it is to you, the easier it is to relive. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be like sing a song about sneakers for the rest of my <laughs> life. That would be weird. <laughs> so, um, uh, um, somewhere someone wrote a song about sneakers and they're like, oh, my heart. <laughs> no, um, 
But yeah, so I don't know if that makes any sense. I know I went off on no, a tangent No, it does. There. I mean, there's a song about lip gloss out there somewhere and, you know, thrift shops. There's all kinds of things. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, we absolutely love the song. And it what when you guys find out a song goes number one, like as a band, do you is it do you like call each other like, whoa, like what's that? What happens in that <laughs> moment? Um, yeah, I guess so. The, yeah, the, yeah. Everyone uh, we see each other at rehearsals. We're like sick. High five. <laughs> Coffee's on me, guys. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you guys just released another song this week, Goodbye, which is, I mean, I listened to it a few times just this morning. It's super powerful. Um, do, when you go to like perform those songs now, because you've got a tour coming up and you're going to perform songs like that live, does it feel like, do you get more anxious or more nervous because they're, they're such intense songs for you? Or is it kind of like therapeutic? Like here's... Here's my heart, yeah. <laughs> like you were saying. Um, first off, every time someone talks nicely about my songs, I do this weird thing where I get like puppy eyes. I'm like, talk more about me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to just live in this glow for a moment. Oh. You've earned the glow. <laughs> you have earned it. <laughs> um, and I always try that. to stop myself. I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing it again. <laughs> and I'm on camera. Um no, I, I um, yeah, to perform them, I'm I'm generally excited and and um, I'm I think I'm probably as excited as uh, the audience just to see how it'll manifest itself in in um, in like a, a performance space and um, I always try to leave. Um, so when you're painting, you have what's called the obsessive hand and the the decisive hand, and so. You want to allow yourself the latitude for natural, real things to happen, impulses to come out, and um, and then kind of play with that and have a, an interaction with those impulses as they arise. And so I'm always really excited to see how that will happen uh, live uh, because it's important not to plan those things going into it. So for myself, I, I, I usually get excited to play stuff live, especially when it has a lot to work with. Mm -hmm. And your show always ends up somewhere with a stage dive or a back bend or like some <laughs> kind of craziness. It will be something. Just look at, looking through pictures of your live performances, I'm like, how is he in that position? I don't understand. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna start doing that thing again. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, you do have uh, the night running tour, which is coming back to Tampa August 29th, so we get to see you again. Very yeah. exciting. And I'm that's a co-headlining well. tour with Beck. Um, and you have a song with Beck, Night Running. How did that collaboration kind of develop? Um, <clears throat> we had been working on that song for, for a bit and had had the track working for the most part, the music, the chorus was, was happening, and everyone was really excited about it. And we all felt like it was going to be a special s song. And a lot of times when I'll um, approach a song, I just try to like imagine some kind of character who's... Um, who's uh who can carry that narrative um and give it a personality and for this particular song i just couldn't think like nothing was coming to me i'm like uh how about a, a wizard from uh, new york i don't know no i not not just joking but i couldn't think of of um a particular approach and so brad had just had it in his mind that um somehow 
Beckwood now. <laughs> um, He's which, the which he did, yeah. Brad's like, a wizard from LA. <laughs> no, um, so, uh, without telling the rest of the band, Brad had it sent off to him. Um, and so, like, one morning I woke up and I got a text message and it was like, here's some verses from Beck. I'm like, what, what, what? Um, because he's one of the, the artists that had a huge impact on me growing up and um, I would have never dreamt that we would have uh, worked with him um, and uh, gave it a listen and it was just floored by how great it was. Um, it's a, and I, Another thing I didn't know is it had been sent to him only two days before. So, I mean, it's just a testimony to his immense talent. I think he was on tour somewhere in Asia and just uh, found a studio and cut the verses. And so here we are. Well, it's a great song. We love it. And I uh, can't wait to hear the rest of the album and see you guys together um, back in Tampa. So, And you all will be there, right? <laughs> and we get to see you tonight, which is a nice uh, preview. Um, and speaking of, I have your questions, a couple from you guys. So uh, let's start with Ramel. I hope I said your name right. <laughs> okay. Um, hi. Um, I was wondering if I could ask you about Goodbye. Um, could you tell us more about what went into writing it? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, over the... The past course, I guess, past two years, it's just been like I was saying, a particular turbulent time in life. Um, uh, my uh, my cousin, who was my best friend growing up, um, uh, passed away um, very suddenly while we were making the record, and then um, two other dear friends of mine uh, had um, taken their own life, and. Uh, um, a, a relationship just wasn't working out. And so there was just like this theme of, um, of uh, almost like forced goodbyes. And, um, and in most of those cases, it were, it was, t it was a circumstance where there had been a lot of effort, um, to prevent that kind of, a, an ending. And uh, the song was just like a means of closure, I think. Something we can all definitely relate to. If you guys haven't heard it, it's, it's awesome. Uh, Taylor? Can I, I want to say a little bit further on that because I feel like I was, I was being a little protective. But like, <clears throat> um, it was also, you know, When you're talking about uh, sadness and times of grieving, um, you can't um, you can't uh, experience those f as fully as you can when you don't exclude other notes of of emotions as hope. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a bright sadness, which is that um, uh, with deep grieving comes deep joy, um, and so. You know, it's just I think I get protective sometimes when I'm when I'm facing those kinds of things because it's a hard thing to explain. Um, a lot of people have asked me, they're like, "Is this a dark record?" And to me, it's a very bright record, but it deals with um, 
really real things and it confronts those things kind of fully and and head on and and I think some if you're not ready to face those kinds of things, it feels overwhelmingly dark. Um, but it was it was really a sweet song of just saying, I you know what, I love you so much. I've loved you so much. Um and uh and sometimes you in those situations in one way or another you have to still uh say say uh your farewells and so that's what that song is about. Taylor, you want to go ahead? Um, were there any song concepts you sat on for a while before writing the new album? Yeah, um, we're constantly working on uh, new material and sharing ideas, trying to find something to um, become obsessed with with music again. Uh, and um, and so I'd say uh, the better part of the material is our ideas that are forming all, all the... Like, Half of the record generally comes from when we're touring and sharing ideas and um and uh and then when we get into the studio the the material will find its its own DNA and personality and everything shifts. But one song in particular would be Night Running with with Beck. We'd had that track for like maybe three years. Wow, that's awesome. And um what a great collaboration to end it up with. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Gavin. Hey, uh, what's your favorite tour food? Tour food? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, protein bars. <laughs> it's usually all you have time to eat. Now, um, I don't know. I think we sushi maybe <laughs> um it just depends on the city really um uh yeah that's not a good answer sorry <laughs> especially if you accidentally go to a not great sushi place if you're yeah. not familiar it's so funny you say that we had a band through recently and one of the members was not feeling well and we were like oh it turns out they had gone to sushi like oh, like no. and um <laughs> i just felt like Please don't let that be how you remember Tampa. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Julia? Okay, I'm really excited to ask this one. Um, I've thought about it for a while. So Tiny Little Robots was the first time that you spoke in word on a track. Mm. Um, could you just talk a little more about what inspired that and if maybe we'll see that again on the new album? Um... <clears throat> I think at the time that we were making that record, I was doing a lot of experiments, um, just free free writing experience. It was funny experiments. I would like bring my friends in and act like their counselor, and sit on my couch, and they would lay down, and then I'd just have them stream of consciousness start talking about different things, and I would just start typing and pulling lines and riff off of what they were saying, and then start turning it into these poems and stuff. And golly, we had some deep sessions. I mean, people would start <laughs> opening up like, and there was this one time <laughs> that it hurt me so bad. Um, He's not responding to my text. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should give him some space. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah. Uh, Emmy? Thank you. Um, 
Okay, hi. So, if you could have a song on any movie soundtrack, what would it be? Mm. Jeez. That's tough. Um... I think, like, Requiem for a Dream jumped out in my mind. Um, Aronofsky, uh, just about any of his films. I know that's not what you're looking for. (laughs) Wes Anderson films, Kubrick, um, Fassbender. Um, I think I lean more towards directors um, than particular films, but um, Clockwork Orange... Full Metal Jacket, mm. um, that kind of world. Nice. <laughs> uh, Alexandra, that'll be our last one. Thank you. Hello. Um, my question is, what is the craziest thing that's ever happened at a live show? Like in history? In the history of ever. <laughs> okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> um <coughs> I think the the craziest thing that ever happened to me, um, we were on tour with, what's well, the funniest story I can think of, but we were on tour with the Queens of the Stone Age, and it was our first tour. We didn't have a, a record label. I think all we had was like um, some kind of like publishing deal or something like that in Canada, and they were touring Canada, which is, they thought we were a Canadian band, so they <laughs> took us on tour. And when they found out we were from Kentucky, Josh was like, this makes so much sense <laughs> now. Everything. <laughs> My gosh. Um, so anyways, we were on tour with them, and it was like in the middle of the tour, and um, it was laundry day, so I didn't have any clean underwear, so I was <laughs> going commando. And um, I'd had this pair of jeans that I really, really loved at the time. And there was this hole that was wearing in the crotch. And I was like, please hold out. For <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had jumped up on this uh, speaker stack, stack and um, I guess they had breathed their last. And they just kind of, oh, death. <laughs> and they, the pants just disintegrated in the crotch. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it went from wearing jeans to wearing chaps with nothing <laughs> on underneath it. And this was the second song in the set. And I was like, what would Iggy Pop do? I was like, finish the show. Crowd surf on your knees. No, literally, it was like, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure I might get in trouble for these days. But like the, um, the, the, um, the pants were, like I said, essentially chaps. And I'm like crowd surfing on my knees like, yes. Yes, you love me. And people are like, uh, okay, uh, 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 is this real? Is this real? <laughs> is this real life? Um, it's a different kind of show. <laughs> yeah, totally. And no one knew who we were then, too. So everyone was, they were kind of like um, excited to drop me. They were like, I get to be the person to let this guy fall to the floor. So, uh, Maybe people went home <laughs> and were like Googling, like, who was the band that wears chaps? <laughs> yeah, uh, who totally. Were they? <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I just want to say um, thank you so much for just being so open with us today and sharing 
kind of your story about the song and those moments with us because I mean me personally I know a lot of us in this room are probably going through similar battles and and have similar experiences and I think just the song the album it's great that we can kind of feel that through your music so thank you again today well I appreciate I appreciate you guys um and uh yeah it's funny a couple years ago I was like you know, I could I could try to like polish myself and and um, present myself as something I'm not. I hear you guys laughing. I know I'm not looking that great this morning. <laughs> um, Maybe I'll do. A I was song like, with or Cardi I could B. like, yeah, right. <laughs> but I was like, or I could just kind of um, live it live it out and uh, in in some regards present it as theater and. Um, uh, provide a safe space for us to all relate on on a pretty deep level and anyways I, I appreciate everyone going along with that uh, journey with us um you know I certainly look at, at the audience many times and I'm like okay these people uh are here because they relate and they identify with and um and I've had a lot of special moments throughout the years because of that so thank you guys thank you and let's kick off the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much again. Give it up for Matt Schultz, Cage the Elephant. And there you go. Matt Schultz of Cage the Elephant. That interview happened April of 2019 right here with me, Sam, in our performance theater. Now, after that interview, they had a huge co-headlining summer tour with Beck. The album Social Cues that came out after the interview went on to score their second Grammy for Best Rock Album. And they are actually the only band that can say they've scored eight number one alternative songs in a single decade. There is absolutely no doubt that Cage Change the Elephant, and Matt Schultz are 97X icons. Tito's handmade vodka is distilled from corn and certified gluten-free. In the mid-90s, Tito Beverage built his very own micro distillery in Austin, Texas, and put his life savings into it. He continues to produce award-winning smooth American vodka on the same land where it all started over 20 years later. Tito's has won the unanimous Judge's Choice double gold medal at the World Spirits Competition, among other awards. Visit us at titosvodka.com for recipes, videos, and more of Tito's story. Proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, crafted to be savored responsibly. 97X Icons is a presentation of 97X. Hosted by Sam. Edited by Anthony Minotti. 97X is a CXR station.